To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 141. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best and ask, discuss sports. Brothers, I'm coming off a great weekend of football here. My LSU Tigers took, took a win home. My Saints dominated in fashion. We'll get to that in a moment. But I just want to check on y'all, man. How y'all feeling? Feeling good, brother. Feeling good. As always, ready to rock the show. Ready to get into it. Ready to get some fantasy advice for the listeners. Just ready to do it. Yeah, man, same here. Been a pretty good week. I had pretty much that same kind of weekend from a sports standpoint. And on top of that, obviously, too, our Lakers started preseason basketball. So it's like I feel like I've been kind of in heaven from a sports standpoint at this point. Uh, So we got good things going. I'm not going to delay us anymore. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, let's jump into it, man. Week five was crazy. We saw a lot of players go down, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, We'll talk about the fantasy implications of that. Also, we'll give you your waiver wire talk as we do from week to week. Um, I also want to correct myself from last week. I listened to myself last from last week, and it was cringeworthy. It is not week five last week. It was week four, and I kept saying week five, and neither one of you brothers corrected me, so I'm correcting myself now so the listeners know that I'm in tune. This is week five as we record this. But I kept saying week five last week. I don't know why I kept saying that. Oh, so you were talking, you were looking ahead or you were talking back about the week? I was talking about the week and I was saying okay. week five. <laughs> okay, okay. You just yeah, got ahead co- of yourself. It was embarrassing. I was like, I had to clear that up. I couldn't wait to get here so I could clear it up. I also wanted to talk about uh, some other stuff that we that we uh, discussed on, on last week. But uh, yeah, week five, man, we'll start off on Sunday Night Football, which was a huge matchup. I had my snacks ready. I felt as though it had a Super Bowl vibe with the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And it turned out it wasn't much of a game. Uh, 42 to 10, 49ers dominated from front to back. I mean, I think that I put the 49ers on another level. I don't see any weaknesses with this team. Brock Purdy, I'm starting to believe in him, Los. I don't know. Last week you talked about he needed to make you a believer. I'm not mad at that. But some of the throws he was making Sunday night was pretty good. Like the touchdown of George Kittle, the second touchdown, that was a good throw. Uh, I think Brock Purdy, he doesn't make mistakes. He's reading the field. He looks comfortable out there. He looks confident. And look, Mr. Relevant, what, 12-1 and one in all of his starts, if we want to include the playoff start where he got injured uh, this past playoffs. But, uh, I mean, I just want to know you guys' thoughts on that Sunday night football game, man. If I can, I between me and you, brothers, can I be honest with y'all? I'm just really irritated that they really found the diamond in the rough with the last pick, seventh overall, after trading up in that same draft and giving up all those picks for a guy that just didn't pan out. I'm just really irritated that it really saved their jobs over there. That you know, really, they made that that decision for Trey Lance, and everybody was scratching their head, like, why are they going up? Or are they going to take Mac Jones? Or what's going on? And then you know, they end up actually finding their quarterback that worked out for him, that understands his role. And I think that's the best part about Brock Purdy is he understands his role. He knows he's not the strongest arm guy. He knows that he's a he has to anticipate a lot of his throws, and he's okay with that. He's very humble, and it just irritates me that that that. He's actually good. I, I'll say I was wrong last week. I thought the Cowboys were going to be a true th- true test for him. And this guy just keeps winning, man. I, I mean, you can't take that away from him. I'll be a hater at this point if I said he was garbage. He just keeps keep showing up. It, it, the proof was in the pudding. 
Yeah, no, 100%. I echo those same sentiments. And just when you look at that team of how they perform, really, obviously, on both sides of the ball, uh, really just from a weapon standpoint, it's almost like, man, when you can hand it off to Christian McCaffrey, when you can then go and throw to Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel, or you can have George Kittle have a three-touchdown game, it's like that team is just absolutely loaded. Uh, the defense was locked and loaded. Uh, Dak ended up, of course, obviously throwing three interceptions. You know, that's a whole nother discussion of how Dak performs in those primetime matchups. Um, and I think that it just further showed that, like as you said, the 49ers, they are at the top of the league. Um, it may be a little bit of a gap behind them. But I think the big thing is that it did expose, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. I think that we were looking at this matchup and feeling that the Cowboys were a potential contender. Um, and it really just showed that maybe they really aren't that. And it made me just kind of go back and dig and look at their schedule so far and realize that, honestly, they haven't really played anybody, you know, to this point. I mean, they played the Giants. We know that they're one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they played, obviously, uh, the Patriots as well, which are one of the worst teams in the league. We talked about that last week. Um, and then the thing about it as well, too, we saw them lose to the Cardinals. They beat the Jets, you know, when it was Zach Wilson's first game, like truly starting again this season after the whole shell shock thing of week one. So I think that a big piece of it, it, it just really exposed the Cowboys. And the last thing I'm going to say, too, I don't understand what Micah Parsons is getting at with coming back directly after that matchup and saying that there's still not much of a gap there. They're still basically on the same tier as the as Look, the 49ers. Like, I, I don't get what he's saying. When it comes to Micah Parsons, it, the more I hear him talk, the less and less I like him. I love him on the field and what he brings. But the more and more with this podcast that he's starting I, it, he just really, really annoys me um, in a lot of ways. And that, you know, I mean, what else you expect him to say? But uh, I think the 49ers beat them from front to back, special teams, offensively, uh, defensively. It wasn't a game. And, you know, I think that there's another story within the story here because I look at Dak Prescott, and for once I see it again. I think that the time is now, and we're used to seeing him throw picks. We're used to him seeing him turn the ball over. but I mean, Brock Purdy really looked head and shoulders better than than Dak did on Sunday Night Football. And on prime time on that stage, Dak knew he had to perform, and he didn't. He couldn't find anybody. And I know the 49ers defense is off the charts with Fred Warner and their secondary is nice, and, and, and you know, their defensive front is strong. I get all of that, but, I mean, Dak looked you know, as flustered as he did from week to week. I mean, I, I keep waiting on him to emerge this season. And here we are. Um, we're leaving. We're entering week six, and I, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I think that, you know, ironically, we look at – we talked about this two episodes ago, and you guys agree with me, um, where, you know, we respected the fact that the 49ers was ready to, to move on. And, you know – and admit that they was wrong with the Trey Lance. They traded up to the number two pick to take Trey Lance. Here we are with Dak Prescott, and, and he wasn't a first-round pick. I think he was a third-rounder, uh, somewhere around the third or fourth. And, you know, Dallas pays the man. He hasn't proved anything. He's been mediocre, but here we are. We're still trying to make Dak. And I think that the Dallas has a lot of weapons there, and Dak's not able to utilize it. But Dak cannot perform. When will the Dallas admit that they made a mistake? Like 49ers did. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a tough one Uh, just because with, with Dak, I think that the struggle is that you see the ups and downs. Like you've seen kind of those bright moments. You've seen him throw for, you know, I think have a 5,000-yard passing season. It's like, you know, with Trey Lance, you saw the condensed sample size, and it was like, okay, we've realized quickly that Brock Purdy is just – He's just better for this team, and you didn't really see kind of the peaks. Uh, you saw more valleys as it pertains to that. As it relates to the Dak situation, like you said, I mean, the writing is on the wall at this point. He does not look like a guy that you, you know, are going to get to the mountaintop with, a guy that's going to, you know, win you a Super Bowl. But I think that they are, as Dallas stuck in a tougher position and the 49ers are really stuck in because it's like, 
what do you really move to or pivot to if you do move away from Dak at this point? And then what is truly his value? Are you talking about potentially trading him and seeing what you can get for him? Um, and outside of that, like what what is his true value on the market going to be at this particular point? So I think, you know, it would be maybe wise to to move on from him. But I just think that they're in a little bit of a tougher spot than the 49ers are because they don't truly have that true backup plan. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what goes on. I don't think they move on him from him this season, but I think it's becoming more and more clear that, you know, they may have gotten a guy that's just average, um, you know, and I think that the Patriots, which we'll get to in a second, because we mentioned in my Saints, you know, I think that they they've come to grips with that with Mac Jones as well, uh, and what he is as. And I'm not saying I, I know Dak is a, is a, maybe a smidge above, you know, pretty significantly more talented than than Mac Jones, but it's the same thing. I mean, they they drafted Mac Jones with him being the franchise quarterback, and that didn't happen. Um, so we'll get back to re- recapping Week Five. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, a great week for me. My Saints dominated in uh, great fashion. Uh, 24 to 0 uh, was the final score. Our first shutout of the season. Our first one since, the, I mean, maybe last year against uh, Atlanta, I want to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I mean, I, I think that I still have some questions about our offense. Um, ironically, um, we had a defensive touchdown. And we moved the ball at times, but I, I'm still not really happy with our offense. But you know, we did what we were supposed to do. Um, I, I don't know if it says more about how bad the Patriots are, but I mean, at the end of the day, I take it a win is a win, and sometimes you need those restarters. So uh, it, it's nice to have the Patriots on your schedule. Who would ever thought I'd say that the Patriots would be a team that could restart you and, and have you move in the right direction? But this past Sunday, we saw that. We proved it. We dominated. Uh, great win, and I think we have a, a very favorable schedule, but – um, the offense still really kind of concerns me, even though we 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 was able to do some things on offense. Uh, I think Derek Carr had a good reset. He gained confidence throughout the game. Um, but, yeah, the Patriots, I'm not used to seeing them at home get dominated like that. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, we talked about Belichick a couple episodes ago and where does he stand, but is it becoming more clear and clear? You know, maybe he needs a change of scenery. Um, yeah, I, I would say ultimately, I think that that franchise is just due for a complete reset. And I think that really, as it pertains to this season, it would it would behoove them to go into tank mode. Like we understand that to me, this um, a big gap, obviously, with that team is is Mac Jones as the quarterback. And then obviously the weapons that they have surrounding him, which are pretty much no weapons that are surrounding him. Other than I do like Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield and he's just not getting utilized properly. Um, But saying that to say this upcoming QB class is a really good quarterback class. Uh, There's a lot of depth there. And to me, if I were the Patriots, I would be going into tank mode to try to get one of those guys, especially a guy like Caleb Williams, um, as we talked last podcast, you know, it hasn't been the same for Bill since he hasn't had his guy in Tom Brady. And we know what it means to have someone that can really steer that ship at that QB position. Um, and Caleb Williams is that special type of talent. So I don't know if I could really see Bill Belichick picking up and going elsewhere and coaching elsewhere, but that organization just from a roster construction standpoint needs a reset. Yeah, full agreement there, brother. I just think, again, Tom Brady made that team. And it's clear, right? We look at his record with and without Tom Brady, he has not been good. You know, and I think we just need to accept that. And that's just the reality of it. Um, and Mac Jones is just, when he came out, we even had questions about him, right? Mac Jones is not the, the guy that's going to elevate talent around him. Mac Jones is a guy that needs talent around him, right? We've seen that at Alabama. And that's kind of why the Patriots kind of got fool's gold there because, they thought they were getting the next Joe Burrow. Granted, Joe Burrow does have talent around him. So, you know, um, they don't, they don't, you wouldn't, none of their guys right now, you probably put in the top 40 of receivers, right? The receivers on their team at all, right? In the NFL. So, I mean, to his defense, he does not have a lot around him right now. Um, I don't know what their, in their offensive scheme has always been questionable the last few years. They try to bring in, I forget the guy's name. Uh, they try to bring in the offensive Bill, coordinator. Bill O'Reilly. 
Bill O'Brien. Oh, Bill Bill (laughs) O'Brien. Yeah, Bill (laughs) O'Brien. Bill O'Reilly, I think that's like a car salesman. (laughs) I hope to have way (laughs) though. Oh, oh, O'Reilly, huh? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, nah, so they built bringing Bill, and I thought that would kind of help them, but they still need the weapons. You know, maybe maybe they go and get, you know, maybe not the quarterback, but they go get uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr from Ohio State. You know, maybe they get somebody over there that that who they a lot of people are comparing to Randy Moss, the next Randy Moss, or better, right? You know, and they bring that back over there to get a legit weapon. Cause right now you're looking at their weapons, I, I see uh Ramondre Stevens as you mentioned, Ramon, and that's it. You know, yeah. everybody else is kind of washed or okay, journeyman receivers. So um I, I would like to see him get a shot with some weapons. Now, now the interesting point, you guys bring up some good points, and I, I kind of shifted back to Belichick because we know the clock is, is 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 he's on the clock. He's in his early seventies, and he's we know that he's he's a he's a football historian. We know that he's chasing that winning record of all time wins in NFL history for coaches. Um, do you think it benefits him to stay on a rebuilding Patriots team, or does he, you know, just do the divorce? We know that the Chargers are having issues in, in L.A. I mean, that would be a team where he could, be, you know, tag along with Justin Herbert and for the next three to four seasons, grab some wins, put in a good coaching scheme. My question to you guys is, do you feel as though his time in Foxborough may be winding down? You know, and I think that, you know, it won't, it won't be such of a situation where he'll get fired, but I think that we really – honestly have to evaluate it i mean we understand the history we understand the the championships we understand the historic value that he brought to foxborough but at this point he has he has sort of a a motivation to move on to get in a better situation so that he can chase this record knowing that you know his time is winding down so that's my question so do you guys feel as though maybe he may not be a patriots coach next season Maybe they agree. Maybe they mutually agree to walk away. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think everything runs its course, you know. And I think, I think if you ask me, right, I think this is his last year coaching the Patriots. I mean, you look at him in the presses. He's never been an exciting guy, but he looks done. And everything runs its course, and that's okay. Um, he's he's still a legend. He's still, you know, you still can talk about his history and the things that he's done for this team and his championships. But I think, you know, his style of coaching. What's going on with this team? A lot of times that's not connecting with the players. It just looks like a team that's disconnected right now. Um, it, I think it's just time. Yep. He's, ch- he's chasing Don Shula. He got 330 wins. Don Shula got 347. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And, and just to, to echo what Lowe said, my kind of last thought on it really is does Bill Belichick fit this current NFL? Like, is the Belichick way, Belichick system, which has been deemed the Patriot way for so many years, does that fit the current climate? You know, you could see him going elsewhere, but even going to the Chargers or something like that, it's like, I don't even see that team and that organization meshing with a Bill Belichick. So that's what just makes it really tough. Like, I think that the game is almost past him and the way in which he runs an organization or a team it's almost kind of past him at this point. Yeah, because I even think if they were to get a Caleb Williams, I struggle to see how successful Caleb Williams would would particularly be, even though he's super special. But what are we going to just ground and pound? Are we just going to do the basic uh, offense that that Belichick likes to do? Uh, but I mean, it remains to be seen. He's put together some successful years, and um, I think that he's one of the greats, greatest of my lifetime, at least head coach in the NFL. Um, so I mean, we're not it's not disrespecting him, but it is a conversation to be had. Um, but as we move on uh to week five and recapping it, man, we had some major, major, major players go down. Um, I know that I recap my team uh with the Saints. I give you guys the same opportunity here. Uh, is there anything you you guys want to discuss before we get into some injuries around the league? Okay. I didn't think I didn't think Los would want to talk about his team, uh, the Rams suffering defeat this past week. Um, but y'all gave a respectable matchup and a conversation does come out of it. But how do you guys feel about the Eagles? OK, they're undefeated. I get it. They are a great they are a great football team. But we also saw a commander's team give them fits and we saw Los's team give them fits. I know he don't want to talk about it because of how close it was. 
Uh, but I felt as though the Rams had a shot at beating them. Uh, do you feel as though they, they got to work out some kinks or, or are you concerned about the Eagles at this point of the season? Not at all, man. The Eagles can win in multiple ways, right? And that's what makes them so tough. Um, they're a team that can literally run Browning Paul. I think the biggest thing that needs to be talked about with the Eagles is the brotherly love show, the tush push, whatever you want to call it, right? The play is damn I've seen that duplicated like at least 10 times this past weekend on the college level, multiple times, and the NFL level. Right. And so it's it's really unstoppable, and it's, it gives you advantage, right? You watch the game, and I was watching the game, of course, as a Rams fan. You know, they're running the ball on uh, third and four, right, mm-hmm. with the mindset, which third and four or third and five, right, usually it's like, okay, cool, you might pass it on that down, right? Nine times out of ten, you want to pass it on that down. But they're running that in the mindset of, okay, if you can get in within one, a yard, a yard and a half, we can do this tush push and get this first down. It's an advantage, right? And it, it plays into the psyche of another team because, cool, they already know if they're getting it within one yard that they're going to do this play, and it's nothing you can do about it. And it's at the goal line. It's uh, throughout the first down. It's killing the clock. They're keeping the ball. They're playing ball control. And so this team alone, that play is just unstoppable, and it's just a tool to theirs. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I watching it being done to us like four or five times during the game. It's frustrating. It, it is frustrating as a fan, but you know, as a competitor, it's like, hey, well, then stop it. Then you know what I mean. It's it's that side of it too. Um, but watching that, it it is. It I would like to see them. I, I don't know. I, I sound like a hater saying that. So I, I respect it. I get it. But I would like to see them win without doing that. You know, as a competitor. Well, you may get your wish. They say that the competition committee is reviewing that play. They might be taking that play out because of safety reasons. We'll see what happens. I, I saw you get want to get in here, Ramon. Yeah, no, nah, I, I really don't have much to add to that. All I was really going to say, honestly, with the Eagles is that you don't stumble up on 5-0, and you know, and whether it looks pretty, whether it looks like they're blowing people out, like the 49ers are blowing, are blowing people out, you still are 5-0. and And it's tough to win in the NFL, and we see that week in and week out. Uh, so I have nothing but respect for the Eagles at this point. Yeah, nothing but respect for them. I, I would say the same thing. Jalen Hurts is, is a dog. Uh, he he's continuously to improve, and like Lo said, alluded to, they can beat you in plenty of ways. They are a complete football team, so I'm not concerned about the Eagles at all. And they are a top team. I think it's the Eagles and the 49ers. I, I don't think I know that it's the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Dolphins right now. In my eyes, uh, that that's the cream of the crop right now. So and you would um, maybe throw the the Lions fringe in there as well. Yeah, maybe throw the Lions in there. <laughs> Okay, so um, like I said, week five, we'll get to what we came here to do. We had plenty of injuries here. We'll start off with the biggest one of all, and that's Justin Jefferson went down with a hammy. Uh, prior to that, we saw Minnesota playing. Um, and when you watch the game, you can see the frustration on, a- as we do it week to week on Jetta's face of this team. And he's tired of losing, quite frankly. He's doing everything he can within his power and his position and being the best receiver in the league. Um, but we saw them lose again in the game. They probably should have won, um, but ultimately they failed. Uh, whether it was quarterback play, whether it was defense, which I think is an issue there. Uh, but ultimately they ended up losing, of course, as you would imagine, losing a big piece like him. Uh, but Jettas, that's a that's a big loss for Minnesota. And uh, with one would say, them in their position, maybe they should trade away Kirk Cousins and maybe, you know, you know, get into Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Uh, you know, but ultimately they lost to to the Chiefs 27 to 20, which was a weird game because even um uh Kelsey went down with an ankle injury and I thought he was done. It was non-contact and he walked off, he looked frustrated in his face, like we talked about with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but also got up he, punching he, and stuff. He got up <laughs> punching. You know, he had that look in his face like all greats do when they know something is wrong. Uh, but also we saw him come back in the second half. And like the commentator said, right off the X-ray table into the end zone, he was able to score. He still ended up having a big, big game. Uh, but here, here we got Minnesota. I think it's the biggest story. They're one and four right now. And Jettas go down with a hammy. I just want to give you all some notes and then I'll let y'all take it away of how impactful 
that Jettas is on this Minnesota team. Uh, I mean, he's, he's fourth uh, in the league in targets at 10.6. He has seven receptions per game, which is good enough for sixth in the league. Uh, three touchdowns, reception touchdowns this year. Uh, that's good enough for fifth in the league. Uh, 114 receiving yards uh, per game. That's good for third in the league. And he he's averaging 21 fantasy points at the receiver position in PPR leagues. So I want to I want you guys, maybe you can give some advice to those Jettas who drafted him probably number one. But outside of that, I mean, what does this mean for Minnesota and what do you think they should do? I mean, <laughs> you look at the situation, as you mentioned with Jettas, right? He's probably looking at a possible IR situation, Cooper Cup early in the season type situation, right? Where he's going to probably be out three weeks or so. All right. So you look at them right now and their record, they come back, okay, they're like, what, two and seven at that point, right? And so, okay, do you play him then? Is Kirk Cousin his quarterback then? It's a tough situation, right? Do you go ahead and tear the thing down and say, okay, cool, we had our run last year. This is not the same year. Things are not the same. This team is not clicking the way it was last year. Do we tear this down and just go, you just say, you know what, let's trade Kirk for what we can, get what we can for Kirk. Let's retool this thing up and make a run next year because a lot of times, right, all these teams have these championship aspirations to start the year. Mid-year, they see their record and they're like, okay, cool. It ain't that. And then you see guys starting to trade away their players. The Broncos being one of those teams, right, they were the championship aspiration team, but you see them starting to get, get rid of some of those veteran players and they're mentioning some of those players being um, released. They did it uh, previous, a couple of years ago with Von Miller. They start getting rid of some of those vet players, right? And so I can see them doing that type of situation where, hey, okay, cool. We got a lot of veteran players over here just sitting around losing. Let's re retool this thing. Let's get rid of some of these bets, get what we can back, and uh, see what we can get as far as a quarterback, knowing that, okay, maybe we got to move forward with Kirk or move without Kirk. Yeah. yeah, and just to add on to that, you know, I think that honestly it would make even financial sense for them. We know that sometimes the best window that you can have to contend is when you have a dynamic young quarterback on that rookie contract to where you can still afford to pay all of the pieces that are around them. You just paid TJ Hawkinson in this offseason. You will be having to pay Jettas in this upcoming offseason. Um, so several of his weapons that are around him, obviously, are getting deals, are getting paid. And so I think in this moment is opportunity it would probably be best to see what you can get for Kirk Cousins and um and then go ahead and, and tank. Like I said, it's a great year for you to try to go and get a quarterback. I mean, this is a really deep quarterback class. Uh, So, you know, if you want to look long term and even if you want to look in an immediate window, if you can get one of the instant impact guys, just imagine Caleb Williams having Jettas, Jordan You're a Addison, You're a right TJ Hawkinson. Just imagine yeah. that. So. Yeah, and then you got Drake May out of North Carolina as well. It's a it's a good defense. It's a good quarterback class, like you said. Uh, but you know this is a big blow, and it's like you said, they can go about it many plenty of ways. Um, but I'm looking at it, you know, from a fantasy implication standpoint, and we'll get into waivers later down the line, um, with fantasy implications, but um, just impact of team implications because how eager are the Vikings? to bring him back knowing that they're one in four and that, you know, you can actually potentially tank and have an opportunity. And then you look at the New York jets, they're one quarterback away from probably picking up from where Aaron Rodgers left off. And I think Kirk cousins is viable enough to make Garrett Wilson, who the talent that he truly is, um, not make him, but utilize the talent that Kirk, that, uh, that Garrett Wilson is. So, it is something interesting to look at as they continue to lose games. I mean, what do you do here? I mean, I know for me, I mean, I'm not rushing Jettas back. You know, if he has a hamstring, let him get all the way right. It's no reason for him to be risking himself out there to make his injury worse. And we saw what could happen when injuries get worse. So, you know, it's interesting. Minnesota, Jim, and um, uh, front office have some decisions to make um, here. And the thing is, offensively, they are they are set offensively. You know, and, you know, you look at a team like that when you only need a little boost. I mean, you might as well just plan for the future. Jettis is young. He's only in his third year. So you got to think that, you know, they they have something planned for him and they know that they're going to have to figure out the quarterback situation, you know, right there. So. 
So as we continue this trend of injuries, man, it, like I said, another start is going down. We've seen multiple guys for fantasy implications that has went down who probably was drafted in the first three rounds of the fantasy draft. But we got Khalil Herbert in Chicago. Chicago had a an awesome game on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, Justin Herbert put up – I'm sorry. Justin Fields put up like a 40-point plus, 40-plus point uh, fantasy performance. Um, and DJ Moore just went – 50 points for PPR, uh, just went bananas. But that loss didn't come without a casualty, and that's Khalil Herbert there um, with an ankle injury, and they're saying he's going to miss some time. Um, but, I mean, what implications does that have for Chicago? Uh, I don't think we need to spend much time there because they're not a contender. But maybe we get into fantasy implications here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you look at that, being a huge loss for them, you know, um, where, you know, he was the number one guy over there. Now you're looking at two guys possibly spitting, splitting the cares between Roshan Johnson, the Texas product that was actually behind Bijan Johnson or Bijan. Uh, B. John yeah, B. John Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Robinson Johnson. <laughs> Robinson. <laughs> one one of them, huh? Right. Uh, that was actually behind Bijan Robinson at Texas. But um, and then obviously they, they had the free agent signing that they brought in uh, Deontay Foreman, who, re- who ran well last year for Carolina. So, I mean, I think I still think they're fine. They got options there. But Khalil Herbert, he looked good, man. It's, it's unfortunate that he had that twist of the uh, high ankle sprain, which, again, we've seen historically running backs in the same year that return from high ankle sprains aren't as efficient, right? They, are, are, they get less opportunities. Um, and this is just a stat that I saw um, on X, formerly known as Twitter, that they're less efficient. Right, they don't get as many opportunities. They're less explosive. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I think NFL. I think really and truly, those high ankle sprains are more like a six week injury, and the NFL really get them back in three to four weeks. Yeah, I don't really have too much uh, to add to that. I just think that honestly, to me, it, from a fantasy standpoint, there are greater implications of the other guys that are still on the team um, and obviously playing right now as it relates to the 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 duo that had a heck of a performance in Justin Fields, as you mentioned, and DJ Moore, I think that it just kind of furthers uh, them. You know, we know that Justin Fields being a dual threat uh, quarterback, we know what he does in the right rushing game. I think that you will see that continue to go to another level to be able to fill that gap of not having Khalil Herbert there. And I do think that they'll look to uh, throw more. Uh, so obviously you will be force feeding uh, DJ Moore over there. So uh, those are more of the fantasy implications to me that I see uh, from a Justin Fields and a DJ Moore standpoint than, you know, Khalil Herbert on us. I see you dancing over there, Los. You got something for us? Oh, man, just DJ Moore, as long as he's being fed, I'm happy for my fantasy team. You know, it, it really started know. off shaky. I don't even know Come on, man. A 50-pointer last week, that's nuts, right, as a receiver. And some of those balls, if we're looking at it, we being honest, some of those balls could have went the other way. How close those balls were that uh, Justin Fields was throwing. I was happy that uh, DJ Moore got them and ran for those long touchdowns, but – I don't know if he can do that week after week, <laughs> throwing those close call balls as those cornerbacks uh, are breaking on it. Well, I'm just happy Justin Fields finally woke up. I really needed him uh, on my fantasy team. I was just one week away from benching him. Uh, but as we move along, uh, we, we'll talk about Ramon's team. Ramon, neither one of you guys wants to talk about y'all teams, I guess because y'all suffered losses this week. But that's fine. We, we got anything? We didn't lose. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, I, I he just was excited about his Saints win, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted, to, down, I wanted to see if y'all was paying attention, man. <laughs> no, down. but and then I also want to correct myself. We won 34 to 0, not 24 to 0. Sorry, I had to clarify that. 34 to 0, we beat the Patriots in Foxborough. But anyway, in a win, again, another win that didn't uh, go without a lost casualty, and that's Anthony Richardson, which has a shoulder injury. And they've already put him on IR, which means that he'll miss the next four games. Uh, Ramon, concerns. That's your team. That's your franchise quarterback. Yeah. uh, Honestly, just concerns for him, you know, as a whole. Obviously, this is his second uh, injury of the year, the second situation in which he's had to, of course, exit a game. And now he's going to be out for um, a duration of time. But as it relates to the impact on the team, I would say that it's not a – 
it's not a huge and y'all might try to kill me for this, but it's not a no, huge drop off to Gardner Minshew. Like I think that Gardner Minshew is a really great backup for us. Uh, he really, to me, elevates the passing game. Um, and so I think that honestly, that will be in good hands for the next few weeks um, until Anthony Richardson is able to come back. And it gives us that luxury of not having to rush a guy like Anthony Richardson um, back because he is our prized possession, you know, as a franchise at this point. Well, you look at that, you know, Gordon meant you, you know, in, in his time in Jacksonville, uh, a career vet, a career backup, and he's proven that he can stand in the place of a starter when asked upon himself. Would you want him as a long-term starter? No, but it's like you said, I think that he's probably one of the better uh, backups in the league, and, you know, a lot of credit to him and you guys being able to win the game against the Titans because of his quarterback play and because of his his passing there. And um, I have an interesting point to make about uh, my waiver wire topic uh, in, in just a moment here. So uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment, but and implications in that. Um, but we'll get we'll move along. Another big blow, James Conner uh, for the struggling Arizona Cardinals uh, went out with a knee injury and they're saying he's going to miss a few weeks there. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to get, I don't think we need to discuss Arizona. I, I mean, at this point, we don't know what they're going to do with Kyler, um, who's currently on IR, working his way back from a, a severe knee injury himself. Um, and we we they, we they know that there's a little uncertainty there. Uh, the Cardinals have proven that they're willing to quickly move away from a quarterback if they don't think that it's working out, you know. And, you know, hey, maybe they want to get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We know that this is a very uh, deep quarterback league. Maybe they make a trade or make a move there. Uh, but James Conner, I mean, I think it has more – uh, implications on our waiver waiver wire topic more so than it does in real life. So we'll move on there. And then we got Devon a, a chain, which I'll wrap up there who was having a, who had a massive game and he popped up on the injury report after the game. And they're saying he's going to miss uh, some time as well uh, with a knee injury. Uh, but guys, I mean, David, Devon, Devon a chain, man, that guy can fly. I mean, he is flying. I mean, I think that this may – the Dolphins may be one of the fastest teams in the NFL. I mean, God dog it. They believe in speed. And uh, before he went out, I mean, I, I was like, man, like he he is a is really a home run hitter, and he can really score at any point. Uh, but to see him go down like this is just so unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I was kind of mad because I had zero shares of A-Tang, right? When he was on the waiver wire and they was talking about putting fab before him, I was just like, ah, he's a one-hit wonder, right? I'm not, I'm not blowing my fab, my money, my free agency money on this guy. You know, plus, you know, we got a guy that's been tearing it up with Mostert, right? Mostert has been playing well with that team as well. It's like there's no way they give this guy the keys to the car. And oh my goodness. When I was watching that game the last last week, um, this past Sunday, I was watching them him taking majority of the carries and it was making me so mad as a most of the owner i'm like pay some respect to this to this veteran what is going on here why are you <laughs> handing him the ball every time even on the goal line it was just so frustrating to watch um as a fantasy owner i mean obviously it's unfortunate to see him get hurt and likely they're saying that he's possibly going on the ir which is a uh, four weeks at least him being out four weeks so um but yeah, I mean, a special team, and I hate to see the guy get hurt. Yeah, you yeah. definitely do. You definitely do. Uh, man, I, I think, you know, I don't think – unfortunately, I don't think Miami's going to miss a beat. <laughs> you know, they, they have so much depth uh, offensively, and, you know, th those guys are rolling, man. I, Miami, you know, I don't know, man. I, I think, you know, your you guy, you know, the, the head coach there, I can't think of his name, I'm drawing a blank, but McDaniel, man, he, he – he really, you know, he he's changing the game of football, man. He really is. And he's quirky. He's unorthodox. You can say what you want about him, but he he knows how to put together a game plan, and he got the Miami Dolphins rolling right now. Let's be real, man. We did not expect him to do such a good job that he's doing. When he got that job, it was just like, all right, this guy's probably going to be in over his head. You know, there's a meme last year. Saying that he looks like the, <laughs> looks like uh, the 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 son that took over the dad's business while he's out of town, you know, it's just he he's really doing a good job, really, and he's just very sarcastic with the media. 
He's fun. I think he keeps it light. And they talked, I, I saw a clip where they asked him about um, how does he feel about the first five weeks breaking the um, greatest show on turf through five weeks, their yardage, right? He responded with saying, oh, mission accomplished. You know, we we did exactly what we set out. We're the, we're the top team through five weeks. So, you know, I'm paraphrasing there. But again, to break a, the greatest show on turf, one of the greatest teams ever, the Rams. <laughs> this is you not know? a Rams podcast. Oh, man. Okay. I knew where I got, he was got, going with I it. I got carried away. I got I carried away. Did y'all win this past weekend? I got carried away. Did y'all win this past know. I don't know. When the last time y'all teams won a Super Bowl? I'm just curious, but okay. <laughs> hey, I feel like I'm catching strays right there. I just caught a stray right there. But yeah, that that wraps up our injury uh, injury segment. So for all you fantasy listeners, they love listening to us. I know that y'all want to know what fantasy implications do this have, and that is through waiver wire pickups tomorrow is waiver wire pickup wednesday this will drop before um you may want to get a listen in which you probably caught on to that we're giving some good advice on who you should target on the waiver wire and a lot of it has to do unfortunately with who went down in the previous weeks so with these injuries we will get into what waiver wire pickups implications this will have but also outside of injuries, they got some guys that's popping up on the scene that you may want to grab. And like I spoke on last week, you want to look for potential. So if you see a guy kind of rolling, getting his footing, getting his targets, not really get, filling up the stat box so he's flying under the radar, go ahead and grab him. You know, don't wait till you go off to grab him. You know, so, um, but yeah, we'll jump into it, guys. Um, I, I, I will lead it off with here. Um, I mentioned Gardner Minshew. And uh, Anthony Richardson going down. Uh, I don't just leading it off because last week I had him in the waiver wire pickup. I beg of you, you, you need to do it this week. You have to pick up Josh Downs in Indiana. I know that I'm not a Colts fan. I know my brother is, but Josh Downs looks like he's gonna be a thing. Um, I do have some numbers that I pulled as to why he's he is relevant. He's talented. He had a good preseason. But Gardner Minshew seems to have a connection with him. Uh, Josh Downs is, is is second leading in targets, receptions, and receiving yards when Gardner Minshew is under center. So, I mean, that that's pretty big there. I mean, it says to me that Z- Josh Downs really have a connection with Gardner Minshew. And as far as Anthony Richard being out for the next four weeks, you can suspect that Josh Downs will be a factor and will have fantasy relevance uh, in your flex spot on your team. So, again, it's just to add on. I don't believe I, – I believe that I may have, have told the future last week when I told you to grab him because he was doing pretty well with Anthony Richardson under center. But now that Gardner Minshew is in the picture and will be under center, I suggest that you pick up Josh Downs um, if he's still out there. Uh, I, I, I suspect that he's probably still on your way. Wise. Make that a priority this week, tomorrow. Yeah, um, that, that's a good one. I, I thought I said that one last week, but I could be wrong. Um, but the other one is KJ Osborne. You are K- wrong. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we can run the clip back, but I'm. I said. Josh I said Downs. that. I, on, I, you got the best memory out of all of us. Who said it? I, I said know, Josh I, Downs. Oh, everybody said. I'm that. just playing. I, I really don't remember. I, I really don't remember which one of y'all week, said it. Week before, but I, I definitely I said, said Josh it. Down. I definitely said. Y'all it. both been having conversations outside of the pod and saying Josh Downs. Neither uh, one of y'all said it. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, um, I would say obviously the 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 automatic one is KJ Osborne, right? KJ Osborne is a guy that um he's already been running. Uh, routes of uh, uh, the number of routes ahead of Addison, right? Who a guy they drafted in the first round. Now you're looking at that big 20 plus t- target share going to have to be split up amongst the receivers. Um, when you look at that, you got to get that. That's an automatic flex play. That's an automatic start. That's a team that's going to have to throw the ball. That somebody's going to have to get those targets that are no longer going to jet us. Um, he's a guy that I'm prioritizing on waivers if he's available in leagues. Um, but again, um, not saying he's a special talent or anything, but targets is king, right? Same thing as 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 for running backs. Um, you know, volume is king, and it's the same thing for receivers. So the same thought. Yeah. Um, I guess when when going and jumping into it, uh, there were to me two running backs that came to mind. 
Uh, obviously, you mentioned two of the major injuries uh, that happened in this past week uh, with seeing James Conner go down. And then obviously you talked about the Devon A-chain a uh, situation as well. And so I think that guys that you can look to maybe fill those voids. Uh, obviously, we saw that when James Conner went down, Amari Dumercato, uh, he actually stepped in and filled that role in that void um, and still had a, a pretty uh, solid game and putting up 12.7 fantasy points. So I think that that's somebody that obviously you can look at on the waiver wire. And then I think that another name that you could potentially target as well, too, as we talked about how explosive that Miami offense is. We talked about how many guys uh, can actually get fed within that offense. And um, you're seeing a guy in Jeff Wilson who will be coming back uh, relatively soon, whether it's this week or even the week potentially following that. Uh, so he's a guy that I think that you can go ahead and grab. And even if he doesn't play this week, you can potentially stash him for a week. We've seen in the past what that duo of uh, Jeff Wilson and um, and Raheem Mostert does together um, and both being viable fantasy options. Uh, so I look at those two guys as some running backs that you can potentially target on the waiver wire. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, and Ramon, what was the other running back? Sorry. I was talking uh Amari DiMarcado or however you pronounce okay, his last okay. name, the one filled in for James Conner. Uh, you said his name better than I would, but he definitely 100%. Yeah, I was just making sure I didn't repeat you because that was definitely one of my favorite ones I wanted to lead off with, but I didn't get to. Uh, but, yeah, like definitely target him. Uh, Silverado or whatever his name. Mercado. <laughs> Not his name. <laughs> Not DiMarcado. Chill out. Chill out. But, yeah, I think, you know, he, he was – the thing about him, he was getting on the field prior to James Conner going out on third down some. So, I mean, he got some juice with him. Um, he backed up uh, – where did, where did he go? TCU, right? So, he backed up Kendra Miller when they were back at, in, in college. So, I mean, you know, Kendra Miller is no – you know, you know, he's not – you know, he's, he's emerging. But, you know, uh, you know, but, you know – the guy got some juice. I, I expect him for the next few weeks to be the guy. I think he'll I think he'll probably be running back committee, but he will be the leader of that running back committee. And I, I definitely want him on my squad to stash him and see what he can do, especially if I'm struggling with running backs. Uh, you know, I know JT, I threw him in the lineup. He gave me four points. I still won, but you know, you, you just don't know how long it's gonna take for him to get it going. So um, but yeah, another one I got here is uh how about Roshan Johnson with Khalil Herbert going down. Um, he's a guy in college that backed up uh, Bijan Robinson back in their Texas days. Uh, we know that he got some juice. Um, the 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 word out on Roshan Johnson is that every week it was being said that he could potentially take over this backfield. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, we discussed it. I think offline, you know, Kenneth Gainwell. I had a big, big, big. Uh, uh, I had him. Uh, big implications. I had I, I had him on my team. I thought he was going to have a big year, and then he got hurt. And now it's DeAndre Swift's backfield. You know, who's to say that this won't happen with Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson? All I'm saying is the guy has talent. He has some juice. I think anybody would be a backup behind B. John Johnson and how special he is. Uh, but with him having the having the, having the entire backfield. Robinson. Yeah, I'll keep B. calling him man, B. John Johnson. <laughs> Why y'all correct me the first time, right? <laughs> you actually but, said Robinson the first time, but then you followed uh, it up with the Bijan Johnson. Los did it too. It just seemed like his name should be Bijan Johnson for some reason. I don't know why. It just it just flows smoother. But yeah, Bijan Robinson. You know, I I think that you know he's super talented. But Roshan, man, it's his it's his backfield now, and we're gonna see what he's gonna do with the opportunities. I think he was out this past week with the uh, injury, but I think he'll be back this week. Um, we'll see, but keep yeah. an eye on his practices this week and and see what he see if he's going to play. Yeah, so I, I, he is a. I would think he. I would say he's a long term pickup, right? Because he is out. He did leave that game with a concussion, and usually yeah. what we've seen historically with those guys is when they have that concussion, they are out at least one week. I don't know if that's kind of unspoken rule, but when they do get that concussion in the game, they do miss at least one game. So this may be Deontay Foreman's week to shine. One week, right? And then from there, I wouldn't be surprised if Roshan takes over that backfield. I'm just going to say his first name just to play it safe. But 
Um, just say Roshan takes over that backfield from here on out, which again, that's three weeks of production of a running back one. You cannot, cannot, you know, sniff that. You cannot just pass up. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'll wrap up the segment. If y'all don't have any more, I got one more bonus one and that is Los's very own Matthew Stafford. I think that with Cooper cut back, he hadn't coming off injury. He didn't miss a beat. Now he has Puka at his disposal as well. Um, I mean, I think that he you will see a major pickup at Matthew Stafford uh, this week. So if you need some quarterback help, you got a quarterback on a bye, or you just need a quarterback in general, uh, underperforming quarterback on your roster, if Matthew Stafford's out there, I will pick him up. I think he's a safe start going forward as long as Cooper Cup and Puka is able to stay healthy. Um, go ahead. I think that's a that's a great one. I think that's really great. I think the touchdowns was one of the things that was been lacking from Matthew Stafford's profile. I think that those go up right. They played a good team this week with the Eagles. The the schedule softens up a little bit going forward with the Cardinals coming up. That's a great pickup. I would yeah, never go against recharge a recharge game. <laughs> yeah. A Ram being picked up. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh look at here you go. He set me up. So All guys, right, do you, some... you gonna sit there and say know, absolutely? After I know, that. man. It's just it's just, it's by heavy, you know. That's my transition word. Anyway, we we moving on, man. We got some trade advice to give you guys. Uh, at this point, we're entering in our sixth week of fantasy, man. The season is is flying by. Uh, you know, we got some teams that are struggling. That's looking to make some make some moves. We 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 went through a lot of injuries here, so it may be a lot of opportunity for guys to make some moves to make sure that their team is sustained. And make sure that they're in position to make the playoffs at the end of the day and win some money. Uh, so, guys, I, my question to you: Who are some buy low candidates or buy high candidates that you have your eye on if you own them? Uh, that that some trades that you would try to make and, and and try to make your team better, depending on your situation. I mean, if I'm looking at it right, I'm looking at. I think the door is shut on Cooper Cup, right? Obviously, you know, we didn't know what he was going to be back or whatever. That door is shut. But I'm looking at JT, right? I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor as a possible buy low. And the reason I say that, right, is because Zach Moss in the week that he had, right, this past week, I'm a guy that always followed the money. They just paid this guy. They're not going to pay him just to be some split guy. I think Zach Moss, he did well filling in. But eventually, you got Jonathan Taylor that's going to take over that position, who's going to get those carries, who's going to get that. They're not going to pay this guy a three-year, $14 million a year deal just to have him sit behind Zach Moss. That's not going to happen. But you may catch an owner that's kind of scared now that they've seen Zach Moss uh, play the way he did. And, you know, um, they kind of eased in Jonathan Taylor. So he'll be one guy that I'll be looking at trying to possibly buy low. Hmm. I think that uh I think that that's definitely a good one. Um, when when looking at guys, I think that this as is as we record Ramon putting players on the block. I peeped that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that. Yeah, I gotta gotta go ahead. You gotta always stay active, bro. You gotta try to stay a step ahead, man, a step ahead. But but in saying uh guys that I think are, are people that you can buy low, I think at this point. Um, I think that one name that to me routinely floats under the radar uh, is a name in Brandon Ayuk. I think that Brandon Ayuk is a a very good talent that his name hasn't caught up to the value that he brings to that team. Um, I think that is arguable and debatable that he's wide receiver one over there uh, at uh, in San Francisco. And so I think that he's a guy that when you're looking at name recognition, it hasn't caught up, and a lot of the times people get caught up in trades based upon what is the big and what is the flashy name. And so to me, he's a guy that I would look at and I would target as a guy that you might be able to buy low on. Um, and then just one secondary name as well, too. We did talk about, obviously, what's going on at Minnesota uh, with, uh, with Jettas being out. And so I think that right now might be your window to go and snatch even a guy like a Jordan Addison uh, to me who may catch some of that target share uh, that is over there that will be missing with Jettas out. I think that, you know, the name might not be as popular. Uh, he is a rookie. And so I think that this might be the opportunity for him to kind of take that next step. So he's a guy I would look at potentially as well, too. 
Yeah. What about a Nico Collins here? You know, Nico Collins clearly, you know, with his target, and you look at his target share, is clearly the wide receiver one in Houston. Uh, C.J. Stroud has been airing it out. We hadn't even got a chance to talk about how well C.J. Stroud has been as the number two pick in the NFL draft. Of course, he's in a better situation than, than my guy uh, Bryce, uh, but I won't hold that against Bryce. But, you know, he's been taking full advantage of it, and they show trust in this rookie in the way he's throwing it. But Nico Collins, when you look at a guy that's getting – uh, he's he's at least averaging eight targets a game. That's all you can ask for is talent and opportunity. He's getting opportunity. He's coming off a six-point game. However, he had a monster 35-point game prior to that. So you look at a guy that's getting targets. You look at a guy that has talent, and clearly him and C.J. Stroud are on the same page. Now, he has a tough matchup against my New Orleans Saints, but after that bye, that, that schedule starts to soften up. Um, I, I look at Nico, get him before the bye, or even wait until he plays New Orleans, and he may he may not have the game that you thought because our defense is that good. Like, our defense is really good. We're a top-10 defense in the league. Um, and I, I think that once you get him there, you may be able to buy him low for somebody that's that's sitting anxious, waiting to come up off Nico and just looking for more depth. Um, but I think if you get Nico, you'll be set. Um, definitely as a wide receiver three on your team or flex play uh, down the line. Uh, so, I mean, potentially he's been putting up wide receiver one number some weeks. Uh, so, yeah, I think Nico is a good candidate for you to go ahead and try to snag early while uh, owners may be getting a little anxious that he's not doing 35-point performances week to week. Yep. So, yeah, we'll we'll get, we'll get move on. We'll continue moving on. One thing we didn't discuss before we wrap in our week, week five recap of the NFL uh, we talk about college, man. We, we've we been touching on it somewhat. Uh, they have some Heisman candidates, some talented players that are making their mark. Um, I mean, it's changing week to week here. Um, who's your who at this point in the in, in the college season? We're halfway through. Uh, which one? Which, who's your guy? Who Who's your guys that's that's favorite for you for that Heisman race right now for you guys? Uh, I mean, I hate to. I hate to seem like a homer on this one. Uh, so I'm actually not going to be a homer and take the guy that y'all would think that I would take. Uh, but to me, who has really stuck out this season, I'm going to kind of shift gears, is a guy in Michael Penix uh, in Washington. I think yeah, that cool. he has been excellent this season. Uh, that team obviously right now sits at a, as a top 10 team. They do, of course, have a big matchup this upcoming weekend. So I think that how he plays this weekend against Oregon – and then ultimately that game in which he'll match up uh, head-to-head with Caleb Williams later in the season going against USC uh, will determine, you know, kind of the outcome of that race, essentially. But I think that Michael Penix can be looked at as definitely a favorite within that Heisman race uh, so far, which to me features kind of three or four names that to me are at that kind of top position almost seeing eye-to-eye. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if we're being honest, and I'm not, it, it's Caleb Williams' award to lose, really, right now. It's just what he does and continue to win and um, to put that team on his back week after week. We've seen him go into overtime with a team we thought they should beat pretty well, but he still put that team on his back. And, um, you know, seeing him only won that game, it's really right now, it's him and everybody else for me. I know the numbers right now is, is leaning towards more so Ramon's guy, but. Um, I, I just think right now, just the stardom and the things that he's doing right now, the winning that he's doing right now, I think it's going to, I think he's going to top him eventually. Yeah, he's a, it, you know, Caleb is a special talent. You know, I had got a chance to actually watch a full game of his in a while and, um, his arm talent, um, his decision making, his poise. Um, I think that he could start for an NFL team today if he wanted to, <laughs> and in the right system would have success. Um, and I think he's a generational talent. I think he's that guy that you that that will uh, basically be a franchise quarterback, and and an NFL franchise will be will be set for years to come once they snag him. Um, but I'm gonna go. You know, I know Ramon alluded to this. He didn't want to be a homer, but I'm gonna go ahead and do this because I've been saying it uh, for a while now. And that's Jaden Daniels. I think that he's made himself relevant in this race. Um, I think we have a lot of work to go. Every game from here on out will be very, very important. But I was very impressed with his performance in the Missouri game, going on the road and putting the team on his back like he did. The throws that he's making, 
I think that he's improving improving from week to week. Um, I wasn't I was not too impressed about his performance uh in the what was that the was that the Arkansas game? He was missing some throws in that one. Uh, but I think you know, I think the Ole Miss game, I thought he was I thought I didn't think it was his fault. I think our defense was just that bad that game. And Missouri, he really proved what he can do. But what he can do with his legs and his arms, I always said that he could be a, a Heisman candidate. Um, and at this point, I think that he may be one of the most talented quarterbacks in college in the country. He's up there with panics. He's up there. I ain't going to say Caleb. Caleb is is like in a tier above yeah, everybody tier, else. Yeah. But I, I will say that he's probably a top five talent, in, you know, in quarterback race right now. Uh, I think that if LSU is able to continue to win and he's some way able to will this team into playoff contention and we, we win the SEC championship, I mean, what else? Or do you want from them? I, I think that you have to keep your eye out on Jay Daniels. I agree. Couldn't have said it any better. You know, obviously that's the nice homer pick right there. So I'm, I'm with you. I hope he wins it. Oh yeah, definitely. 100%. Uh, I mean, you know, bring it back. Joe got us one. Let's, let's get it, Jay. Um, but yeah, that's a wrap, man. I, I think that we've done it again. I uh, hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for rocking with us this long. Of course, as I always say, make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast, Opinionated Benchwarmers on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Uh, make sure that you leave a review, share it with a friend. Uh, that's how we can keep the numbers up. And if you want to follow us on social media, we're on O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, I mean, until next time, we out of here. Later.